0: And furthermore, it is not the angels who will control the future world, for in one place the scriptures say, what were mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet you made them only a little lower than the angels, and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. We have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What do we see is Jesus who was given given a position a little lower than the angels and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. He also said, I will put my trust in him. This is, I and the children... God has given me. Because God's children are human, human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of time. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every aspect, in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Though he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of people, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And so, dear brothers and sisters, who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest.
1: Is it good at the back? Check. Can you hear me at the back now? Okay. Good. Anyway, I think we read from a slightly paraphrased version today. Okay. Um, but that's fine uh, as far as we understand the scripture. Um, When my eldest son, Johan, was a year old, he had cancer, and he was in CMC Wellover. So at that time, uh, there was a PG student there who used to spend a lot of time with me. He was a third, fourth generation Kerala brethren guy. So he came and talked, and the course of time, he Opened up and he asked a question that he never asked anybody else. How do you know that Jesus is God? Well, he was struggling to believe inside that Jesus is God, but he went forward with that. Approximately a year before that, uh, we were discipling the first Uzbek believer that we discipled. You know, all the Uzbeks were Muslims. And these were one of the first few uh, converts in that land. So how did he come to me? He came because he was being haunted by Jehovah's Witnesses and Seventh-day Adventists. And he knew in his heart that Jesus is God, but he could not stand up to them and say, Here it is in the word of God. You know, we are are reading through the book of Hebrews. If we study chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews, along with other passages as well, it should forever settle the doubt that we might tend to have. See, it is okay that we have some doctrinal questions and we are not able to understand it. If you have such questions, please open up to some people who are senior to you and the elders are available and I think there are quite a few others that you would be able to identify and go to. Please don't bury them under the carpet. Okay. So I really wanted the chapter 3, verse 1, to come with all power, and the translation actually took um, that off a little. Uh, It should have read, consider the apostle and high priest of a confession, Christ Jesus. Consider the apostle and high priest of a confession, Christ Jesus i just like to backtrack once more. I know it's repetition, but we need to have that continuation to go on. Jesus, the apostle of our confession, God's own son, he was not an angel. He was verily God sent down from the Father. So in chapter 1, God has spoken through his son. So much superior to angels. He is superior to angels in his name, in his office, in his nature, in his function, in everything. We read that he is the radiance of God's glory, excite copy. Excite copy. We, have, we talk of photocopies, not even photocopy, excite copy. With the same material. Nothing changing. It is the exact copy of God's nature. He is God. The sun is presented as an everlasting king. It says, your throne, O God, endures forever. The sun is presented as an everlasting king. And the angels are presented as ministering spirits they are presented as winds and flames of fire at the creation we see angels sang, singing together rejoicing if you read Job chapter 38 verse 6-7 probably they sang together when the Lord laid the foundation of the earth but Jesus Christ is the creator so far superior to to the angels. And angels are ministering spirits to those who are being saved. And Jesus, he is the Author of salvation. You know, the world is celebrating Christmas. At the birth of Christ again, There is the angel coming and announcing the birth of Christ. Actually, the angel appears to Mary. And then as um, Christ is born, the angels are in celebration and announcing the good news to the shepherds. And again, throughout Christ's life, we see angels in action. The garden of Gethsemane, an angel coming to strengthen the Lord as he prayed later on Jesus talks about legions of angels ready to come and do his bidding but he chose not to exercise that power at his resurrection we see angels at his ascension we see angels and when he comes again it will be to the accompaniment of angels and when he comes to judge the world the angels will do his bidding so he is far superior far superior he is verily God we come across many teachers and false teachers and we get confused sometimes we come across so many things that we go and look up in the from the Bible on the internet um, you know initially I used to uh, refer to a himal in the um, net and finally I figured out that it was actually by a heretical group so this was in early 90s the same way we can go ahead and you know, we have the habit of googling and finding out, googling and finding out. Okay, we have a question. Uh, probably we need to take the scripture and understand it and learn it. Christ is so much superior to angels. Now this son of God who is so much superior to angels brought the message of salvation. And that's what we read in chapter 2. That the the angels brought the first message, the old testament, but in the in the New Testament we find Christ Himself declaring the message and then we see that is being attested to though my tongue is going this way and that way by the disciples. I always go to Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan and come and my tongue doesn't fit back in the place you know <laughs> ok um, the disciples and then we see the Lord himself coming and saying yes the message that is being preached to you is true by signs and wonders and miracles that happened in that first century that's what we Read in Hebrews chapter 2, in verses 1 and 2. For if if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. The New Testament, um, the first century, the miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit that was distributed by the Holy Spirit had a very special purpose, to bear witness that this is the truth. That Christ is the Redeemer. That salvation comes through Christ. That gospel message was being affirmed by God through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed in a very special way, uh, through and, and signs and wonders and miracles happening all around. And then the last... Um, time we looked at Hebrews we again went through the section and we said pay close attention lest lest we drift away. The drift is not a willful sailing away from the harbor. We talked about the harbor of salvation. The drift is not a willful sailing away. It is a lack of will to do anything to row against a current. Floating away in the lazy water in water park, you don't need to do anything, just lie down there and you get carried down the lazy river, right? Floating away, you don't need to do anything, you will just float on. And... The ride will be smooth for a while until you get deep into the current. And we talked about the young man from a godly home launching out into the world for the first time. First instance of independence being careless and floating. Floating in secular company. You know, Bangalore is a great city, right? Friday evening parties, weekend parties. Lots of secular friends to hang out with. Young men and women, and also older men and women. That is one of the places where we can easily drift away. And we said, this young man who would never ever have thought of going away from the God of his father and mother might end up denying him. He would end up in sins that he never thought anyone nearby could have done. And then we have the Christian professional or businessman who is compromising his ethical standard. We have several of them in Christendom, don't we? How did they start off? It started with a drifting. Slowly, 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 till you are ready to do anything for an unjust profit. The mature Christian could float away slowly into godlessness, drifting into habitual sins and a form of godliness without its power. So we talked about all that. Now the whole of Hebrews is aimed at telling us not just to, not to drift away, but to pay closer attention. Pay closer attention to what you have heard. And the writer gives a few uh, ways in which we can do that. In chapter 4, we we are asked to draw near to the throne of God at the right time to find mercy. That's how we pay close attention. I just want to take one thing from Hebrews chapter 10 today. Uh, we are not going to read that portion, but one of the applications uh, if, um, says, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, I uh, okay, will read it It's a verse that um, most of us can learn by heart. And let us consider one another how to stir? Um, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And it's a very simple thing. Do not neglect meeting together as is the habit of some, but come together consistently. What for? To encourage one another. For what? To love and good works. Which means, if we don't come together, we are going to lose that urge to to love and good works. Often, our deceitful hearts lead us to believe that we need not make it to the gathering of saints. There can be numerous explanations that come to us. Oh, they are a carnal lot. They are doctrinally not right. I'm not going to get anything from them. So, it's a kind of adjustment on the people there. Or because we ourselves are caught up in sin and sorrow. We say, it is okay for us to mop around. Hmm? I am so sorrowful. I cannot go. That is exactly the time when we need encouragement. That is exactly the time when others should encourage you. So, if you had a big altercation with your spouse, don't stay home. Come home. Come to the church. Well, I fell into something that I have been resisting for so long and I had victory and I feel so miserable. Don't stay home. Come to the Gathering of the saints. You know, there were two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus on the day of resurrection. Their hearts were full of sorrow, grief. The Savior had died and they did not know what would happen. And as they walked along, and they were sad. What happened? Jesus came and joined them. And then he slowly opened the scripture. And at the end, they say, We have not a heart burning within us when he talked to us on the road. You know, if you are in sorrow, in depression, in sin, Come to the gathering of the saints. Give a chance so that the Lord can minister to you through your sinful brothers and sisters. It's not because they are saintly that you get something. But it is that we have come together in His name and by His promise He is in our midst and He will strengthen us. He will give us what we need, so let us n- not neglect to gather together. Oftentimes, there are many people who come to um, CBF. They come once, and then come after two, three weeks, and after a few months, somebody uh, meets them. Oh, you're here for the first time? No, I've been coming for six months. Well, uh, let's not fool ourselves. See if we come, it should be for us that we would be encouraged to love and good works. You know, ours is a kind of a bigger church now and if we miss a week probably someone may not no one might note. You know the Lord knows. And you know it, and you're going to be weaker for it. Come together to the gathering of the saints, and that's not only on Sundays, cell groups, and other opportunities that we have. Come to the gathering of the saints so that we can encourage one another to love and good works. One of the new things that has become mainstream in secular philosophy and counseling. is probably, do what your heart tells you. Hmm? You hear that advice often, especially when you are looking for a career choice or uh, looking at what you need to study and all that. Do what your heart tells you. And it has its Christianized version also. It will say, others are hypocrites. Just be yourself. Right? Just be yourself. Others are all hypocrites. I just want to present myself as I am. Not realizing that the Lord is asking us to have self-control, to reign in our passions. If you're not careful with strong philosophy, we are going to be judgmental. We are judging people who, with very good intentions, even though they are sinful, are making effort. And the process, we are also losing out. Why? Because we want to be where we are. And, you know, in a floating river, you don't stay where you are. You are getting carried away, deeper and deeper. And you are going farther from the harbor of salvation. So, do what your heart tells you, as long as your heart is in full submission, your heart is in full submission to the Lord. Uh, We will come across many other instructions in Hebrews like lay aside every weight and sin that entangles us and run the race perseveringly. Consider Jesus who endured hostilities. Watch out against roots of bitterness which spring up and cause trouble and defile us and others. Continue in brotherly love remember the persecuted keep the marriage bed undefiled keep ourselves from the love of money do not be carried away by diverse doctrines obey those who keep watch over your souls etc etc it might help us to search through the scripture and pay close attention to those instructions those exhortations which we personally need for ourselves. Anyway, we come to, um, we just read uh, chapter 3 and verse 1, Consider the apostle and high priest of a confession. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 5 onwards, last time we said, is about the captain of salvation. Where do we find that? Uh, verse 10 says, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, make the captain of the salvation perfect through sufferings. The captain of our salvation, or the author of our salvation, the founder of our salvation, the leader of our salvation. Chapter 2 verses 5 through 18 talks about the leader of our salvation. What exactly is salvation? Salvation is from something and to something. We can talk about to what all things we are saved. We are not going in there, but when we start, verse 5 it says, For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. So there is a world to come to which we are saved. And there is an emphatic statement there for he has not put the world to come. He has not put in subjection to angels. What is the implication? He has put it in subjection to Someone other than angels. If you read on, we understand that he has put that in subjection to man. Verse 6, 6 onwards. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. And then it says, for in that he has put all things in subjection under him, he has left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. But we see Jesus. Before that it says, we have not yet seen everything in subjection to man. But we see Jesus. I want to come to that. You know, one of the songs that I like is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Those who have done at least a foundational course in surveying and leveling would understand the term survey. Right? You have all your equipment and you cite something far off And and then you measure some distances. You make some um, drawings on your drawing board. And with all the accurate measurements which you take, you've set up the equipment, and you're looking, you're looking, peering through. And then you understand something, and then you do all the calculations, and then you get... What exactly is the topography of the land? Its height, its length, its width, its depth. When I survey the wondrous cross, you know, basically, the author says, consider Jesus, survey Jesus, survey the apostle of our confession. That is what we find in chapters 1 and 2. Survey the apostle of our confession. In verses f- um, 5 through 9, we find this captain of our salvation. We find this apostle crowned with glory and honor. Basically, that is what it is. He's crowned with glory and honor. That in itself takes the point away from anyone who would like to equate the Lord Jesus Christ. To angels, because verse nine. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, now crowned with glory and honor. And before that, it says, He put all things in subjection under His feet. The world to come has not been put in subjection to the angels, it has been put in subjection to to man. And here is Jesus as the man crowned with glory and honor above the angels. So we have our captain who has gone into the heavens, the captain who is leading us, who has gone into the heavens, now crowned with glory and honor. You know, man as of now doesn't have everything under subjection to him, does he? Not the nature here of hurricanes, one after another this year. With all our technology, have we been able to tame them? Or even deal with the consequences? Whether it be in America, which is supposed to be technologically so developed, people were all shut up in their homes. A whole city for a week And then there are sicknesses and illnesses. We have not conquered cancer. My son has a spinal injury that cannot be repaired by medical science. We do not yet see man putting all things under his feet. There are mental illnesses, depression. Man has not put everything under his feet. But we see Jesus who's gone up above, now crowned with glory and honor. And then, as we come to verse 10, the captain leading many sons to glory. Verse 10, in bringing many sons to glory. Actually, from verses 7 through 10, we find the word glory three times. Verse 7, you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 9, um, we see Jesus, with glory and honor, and verse 10, he's bringing many sons to glory. So, Jesus has gone to the place of glory and is leading his sons to the glory. <clears throat> what exactly the glory is, we never can say until we experience it. Brothers, we do not know as yet know how we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. We will be filled with glory. (coughs) For it was fitting for him for whom... Are all things, and by whom are all things? In bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Just a bit of water, please. make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering was Christ perfect? yes he was should he have been made perfect? to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings you know pure silver is always pure not because it is refined by fire, the as it passes through the fire, it just shows that it was pure silver. If it was impure, the impurities, they burn away. Even so, Christ was perfect. By passing through sufferings, he proved himself to be perfect. You know, there are various ways in which we all approach sufferings. Christ also could have approached sufferings with all that, right? He could have been rebellious and run away from suffering. He could have taken a shortcut to glory as the tempter came and asked him to. Then we, we may not run away from suffering, but we can accept it with murmuring and complaining. Aren't we familiar with that? We put up with things with murmuring and complaining. And then there is the next stage. We don't murmur, we don't complain. Oh, wow. I'm indifferent, I'm resigned to it. I have to do it. But when we come to Hebrews 12, we see what is being talked about Christ, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Sometimes you might look at um, the garden of Gethsemane and say, why did he pray like that? Father, if it be possible that this cup... Was he complaining? Definitely not. If he had not said it, I guess some theologians would have come and said, Oh, he was God and it, not, it did not pain him in the least. He had no trouble. He did suffer and he accepted that suffering and he walked before his disciples on the road to Jerusalem, knowing well that he was going to be crucified, he was going to suffer, he was going to be persecuted. And as he walked, those who walked behind him were afraid. Our Savior was perfected through suffering. If you can do uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7, 8, 9 probably, we again come to this aspect. Um... Okay, we'll read 8 and 9. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being perfected is learning obedience. Did he need to learn obedience? No, he was already obedient, it was just being proved to us. The captain of our salvation has been perfected through suffering. Lest we drift away, let us pay close attention to the captain that was made perfect through suffering. Life is not going to be a bed of roses without thorns, right? We all know it. The marriage begins with a day of Celebration, the wedding day. And then people talk about the honeymoon period and the second year of marriage, right? And some people hold on to it after that and then go forward. Take anything into life. Nothing is a cakewalk. And as a Christian, things are going to be even more tough. When sufferings come our way, how do we approach it? Let us look at Christ. Not being rebellious, nor even rebellious, and being going away from it, or even rejecting Christ and moving away, or sometimes doing things with murmuring and complaining, do everything without complaining and arguing those Philippians right and not even being resigned to suffering but accepting it with the joy that is before us that is the example of Christ so we have a perfect model while suffering now As we look further into chapter 2, it says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I, And the children, and the children whom God has given me. The captain says that he's one with his followers. You know, we need a role model. The role model needs to be perfect. But sometimes the perfect role model can be so far away from us that we think that we are incapable of reaching it. We are incapable of following after that model. Oh, he, Einstein, he was so bright. I can never be like that. Okay. But here is Jesus Christ. We should not look at him and say, Oh, he is gone and he did it, but we will never be able to do it. That is the reason why he says, he is not ashamed to call us his, Brothers, he's not ashamed to call us his brothers. So, there are um, two quotations here, and for lack of time, we won't go into it. Verse 12 is primarily from um, Psalm 22, and verse 13 is probably from Isaiah chapter 8. The real thing there is that he's partaking of our nature, and he says, I am one with you. You are my brothers. So, the NLT had it. You are my brothers and sisters. Of course, that's the application. You are my brothers and sisters. So, he is not ashamed to call us his brethren. And he confesses. So, we have a perfect captain. But who also became... One with us. Why did the captain choose the path of suffering to lead many to glory? If we go through verses fourteen through eighteen, we find at least three reasons. Okay, first was was uh, fourteen to partake. Since um, to partake of the same nature, as then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. He came and walked among us and said, We are flesh and blood, so you are flesh and blood, so I am also with you. I understand when you cry. If he had had never suffered death how could we know that he would allay the fears of death? If he had never been tempted how would we ever know that he is there to support us and help us when we are tempted? If he had never wept how could we ever understand that he could wipe away our tears? So he had to partake of the same nature. The captain of salvation had to partake of the same nature. Second, to destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, the devil who deceived us, the devil who had the power of death, he had to defeat him. And how did he defeat him? Through death, he defeated the one who had the power of death. We are all too familiar with that thought. Every worship time, probably we think about it. Even this morning, we thought about it. He defeated death by his death and ransomed us. So the third reason listed is that to release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, subject to bondage, subject to slavery. So he ransomed us by his blood, redeemed us by his blood. So he had to suffer so that He would partake of our nature and we can look at him and say, Oh, here is a role model that I can imitate. And he had to be perfected through suffering so that he would destroy the devil and deliver us from our slavery to sin. In verse 16 says, beautiful thought for indeed he does not give aid to angels but he gives but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham he does not give aid to angels there's a song that I fell in love with as a young Christian angels never knew the joy that was mine for the blood has never washed their sins away. Angels never know the joy because blood never washed their sins away. They sing in heaven, but one day there will come a time when silently they will listen to me sing Amazing Grace. Love lifted me. There's a song holy angels cannot sing, which is ours. Because the Lord Jesus Christ did not die for angels when they sinned. But he died for us, for the seed of Abraham. And then we see that the captain of salvation is being presented in another mode from now on. Verse 17. Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The thoughts that we have had being merciful being faithful faithful to lead us to glory being merciful and we can experience that mercy. And from here on Slowly the writer transitions to the thought of the high priest. And in fact, that occupies a major chunk of the epistle later on. The high priest of our salvation. But in chapters 1 and 2, we see him as the apostle of a confession. And what do you mean by an apostle? Send from somewhere to somewhere sent from God, God himself coming down. And how did he conduct himself coming to humanity? He became human. And he lived a perfect life. We're seeing that, right? He lived a perfect life. But that perfectness is not so far away that we cannot aspire towards it and we will um, lose heart. Oh, he is God. He is God and he is man. I am not saying that we will be, we are not advocating sinless perfection, which is the doctrine which says, that, which is a false doctrine which says that we can be completely free from sin and we can be almost as God while in this flesh. You know, the proponents of that, again, they refined it and said, in the conscious sphere, we can be perfect. We are not referring to all that. But when we look at any area of our life, we have a perfect model. In suffering, how? Like Christ. In temptations, how? How? Like Christ. I, may not, I, I did not make it the same. Don't worry. Like Christ. Keep trying. He was a human. So he is a merciful and faithful high priest. So the, the apostle from God is God. The apostle from God is also man. Perfect God and perfect man, in his humanity, he demonstrated that perfectness by his obedience, and in the attitude that he had in difficulties, in sufferings, and temptations, in temptations, how he fought temptations. Not being explained too well here, but we have thought about all that many a time, I believe. So we see the captain crowned with glory and honor made perfect through suffering calling us as brothers the captain who destroyed death and the captain who became the merciful and faithful high priest. And as we come to the close of chapter 2 let us pay attention pay close attention so that we do not drift away. And if we have drifted away, remember he is a merciful and faithful high priest to forgive all our sins as we come to him. Merciful to reach out and bring us home if we are wandering far away. And one of the ways in which to experience their grace is... Not to neglect the gathering of the saints. And maybe to neglect the gathering of the ungodly. Hmm? Doesn't matter in what condition we are. Maybe we are so low inside, everyone else is celebrating, that's fine. Maybe you think that others are all hypocritical and you feel too holy, don't worry, the Lord will put you in place when you come and interact with others. So let us keep looking at the captain of our salvation and let us allow ourselves to be ministered to him through the gathering of the saints. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your great plan of salvation. We look at you and say, what a wonderful plan you had to send your own only begotten son of God to come into our midst and say that I am one of you. That you are my brothers and sisters. See, you have flesh and blood, and I too have flesh and blood. His sufferings were real to him. The temptations were real to him, though he would he could never fail. The only difference with us is that we are in flesh where we can fail. But then we have the merciful and faithful high priest to lift us up. And we have the throne of grace to run to at the right time before we fall. And as trials come our way, as life Presses us from every side, times, physically, emotionally, mentally, in things that we cannot seem to understand. Lord, we will look at you, the captain of our salvation, perfect through suffering, perfect. Not resigned to do the will of the Father, but joyfully accepting it. Not at any point allow us, Father, to rebel against your discipline. Not at any point allow us to rebel against the suffering that you allow us. The word we find that it's a privilege for us to suffer for the name of Christ. Lord, when you give us that privilege help us to understand it as as what it is and accept it as joy a joy that awaits us at the end of it. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Yes, help us to understand the joy that is hidden behind suffering. And thank you that you are there to understand us. And thank you that you are there to help us in our weaknesses, in our temptations. And if at all we fail, we still have the merciful Faithful high priest, ready to forgive all our sins. Thank you, Father, in Christ's precious name. Um,